The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia. Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, and welcome to Season 2 of Retail Therapy, a podcast proudly brought to you by American Express. The ARA is Australia's oldest, largest and most diverse retail body, representing around 7,500 independent, national and international retail members with more than 100,000 shop fronts. Significantly, 95% of our membership is small business, who are our focus for Season 2. Small business is big business. In this season, we'll be getting to know the people behind the small businesses that are the lifeblood of so many of our communities. We'll be chatting to industry leaders who are shaping the small business landscape and learning more about the digital innovations that are driving them to success. Joining me for some retail therapy in the Amex Lounge today is Kate Box, the Industry Director for Retail at Facebook. Kate has been with the social media giant for over 10 years, helping businesses to grow and expand their digital presence. There's been a number of exciting trends that have emerged in the digital space over the past couple of years in particular, and I'm looking forward to chatting about this, the role of Facebook and their support for small business. So Kate Box, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's fantastic to be here. Now, we all know about the incredible trajectory that e-commerce and online sales are on at the moment and something that's accelerated through the course of the pandemic. A few years ago, Facebook and Instagram weren't really in our thinking when it comes to online shopping. So how has that connection come about? Um, I, I think it's a great question and I'd agree with you that Probably as as soon as just a couple of years ago, Facebook and Instagram didn't feature um, in a really significant way when it came to online shopping. And, and I think if we think back to that time, it's probably because the, the retail industry limited um, the role of online in their minds, and rightly so, because most of the great tools online and most of its superpowers were very focused on transactional outcomes. So I think online was heavily thought of as transactional. Yes. And then in store was, or in real life was the fun part. You know, that's where people had great experiences. That's where they discovered product they didn't know they wanted. They socialized, you know, got inspired. But online was always that sort of rational place to go when you already knew what you wanted. And I think because of that at the time, the leaders of the time associated online with search and research yes. and, and comparisons, but now they're really wrapping their heads around that convergence of sort of entertainment and commerce online. Yes. And they're seeing that, you know, you can drive fun discovery, you know, that people can stumble across things they didn't know they wanted, they can shop with friends, you know, they can shop with experts. Um, so the the role has expanded and and started to complement. Now you and raised think- some really good points there, and I think the um, I was going to just respond to that because you've made me think about the fact that the I think the challenging piece for retailers is that they've really got to get 
to wherever the customer is, whether that's on their mobile phone or whether they're actually on Instagram or wherever they are, actually the goods have get, got to get to them. So I guess it makes complete sense that people would be in that shopping mood when they're seeing some beautiful images of something that they may be thinking about or haven't thought about yet that just appears as part of their um, social media feed. Mm, that's right. Consumers love it. They love the freedom of traversing both channels and and having them complement each other, you know, in the way that they'd like. And I think sometimes I think of it as this, there's this been this creation of many more potential shopping trips. Yes. People people will still go to the mall and will still go to the high street, and you know, invest I don't know, an hour or two a day in in browsing in shops. But they'll also have those sort of ten by ten minutes. Uh, you know, even if it's at 10 o'clock with a wine, you know, the kids have finally gone to bed or whatever, that's there's more shopping trips to win now because it's just convenient for people to shop in in any way they would like. And that's a really good point you mentioned because what I'm seeing as part of, you know, being in the industry for all of my careers, in fact, for the first time, I I think we're seeing convenience outweigh price. So convenience Mm -hmm. has become a really important factor in the decision-making tree when people are making decisions around what they're buying. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in more cases than one actually makes a, a it's more important than the actual price of the, of the product so you know I, I guess social media has a massive part to play in that convenience aspect of shopping online a hundred percent and and that's where I'd go back to that convergence of entertainment and media and just making it a, a sort of a joyous experience to find something that you didn't know you wanted, but then make it as seamless and as easy for you to, to and convenient for yes. you to go through and learn more about it, irrespective of whether you end up buying it online or in store. Just make that whole shopping journey a great experience and convenient right from discovery all the way through to, you know, the ultimate delivery or purchase. Absolutely. You raised some really good points there. And I guess we do live in a day and age where people are glued to their phones and their social media apps. And we're seeing that translate, or I guess the question is to you, are we seeing that translate into increased sales for businesses who link their brands and products through social media? Yeah. Oh, look, hopefully not too glued, but obviously, <laughs> you know. At, at, balanced. Uh, some balance, but, you know, a larger percentage of, of time spent on media is now being spent on social media where, you know, people are connecting with family and friends and, and great content, but also businesses of all sizes, which um, I always love to see. But does it does it translate into sales? I think I, I draw a comparison to, to search and the, the way that search grew because it worked. And now we're seeing this sort of discovery and entertainment commerce grow because it works for the businesses. Uh, and, and it's measurable. And I always remember the old the old saying, fifty uh, percent of of my marketing budget uh, works. I just don't know what fifty percent. And I know you're a ex- <laughs> you're a, you're an ex CEO, and you yes. probably had that line from your CMO. Definitely, definitely. But I've used uh, many, many times. Yeah, and um, and but it is becoming sort of increasingly, you know, a little bit more inexcusable. All the CFOs would be happy to hear, um, and and business owners, small business owners uh, in particular, uh, are very focused on making sure something works for their business. So we see it because we grow with the businesses as they grow. But we've also seen um, uh, like social commerce estimated as being worth about $470 billion in 2020 by eMarketer. Uh, and we've worked pretty closely with um, a lot of medium-sized businesses in digital catalogue 
and we've done a meta-analysis there and seen a, a 10x uh, sales lift wow. for those businesses that get it right and it takes time. And I think most importantly, we just see what the, what the consumers are doing. Yeah. And they're in Australia, they're tapping on over 4 million shopping tags every month. So that means they're seeing a video or a photo of something that they like the look of and they're clicking to find out more in these yeah. environments. So some good... Some good um, reasons to believe that, yes, it, it does translate into sales when it's done right. Amazing. And look, I'm not surprised by those numbers. I'll, I'll do, we'll say this. I, I do think uh, in a time when I was a CEO um, of a large retail organisation, um, w- what I loved about digital, uh, clearly it's it's grown significantly since um, that time, is that you can see them you can see the outcome you can see the return on investment you can see the measurement whereas in traditional media you just couldn't really tell whether it landed or well or not you could tell through sales but that's about about each and and always it was a it was a um sometimes shooting in the dark so you know digital media certainly given it's the way forward it's a really pleasurable thing from a business perspective be able to truly measure those results yeah yeah so look uh, moving on i wanted to ask you too what are consumers telling you in terms of how they want to interact with the brands they know and love. Is the ultimate goal to replicate the best of in-store experiences online? I love this question because, I mean, obviously sales matter, but one of the the, the most fun things to work with businesses, small and large, on is, is how they're building their brand. Um, the, the, the intention is definitely not to replicate in store, it's and I'd be sad, frankly, if we were able to do that because you know we don't want to replace human interaction. But it's definitely to complement um, the in store experiences that people are having. And again, I'd refer to that convergence of entertainment and commerce. And the way that consumers are telling us they want to interact with brands is probably best reflected by their actions. Right. And I think they do about three things that we could talk about. And the first one is. They just they follow the small businesses that they love um, and large just because they want to learn more. They yes, want to explore. They want to get to know a business, much like we do in real life when we come across a business that we that we like. And they they're there. They enjoy the posts, the stories, the short and long video. It might be how products are made, behind the scenes content, information on drops and styling, how to ex you know, and expert tips and things like that. Um, we definitely see that there's a, an appetite to interact in that way. Another way that we see uh, consumers want to interact with brands is with their friends. And again, not dissimilar to the reason why we've gone to the mall or the high street for many years is, is to connect with our community and our friends. But we see people you know, tagging their friends on a product that they love and they think their friend will like it or sharing stories about a great find and joining groups. And there are mums groups for, for some of the large retailers like Big W and um, uh, Bunnings, and they're in the hundreds of thousands of people that are in there sharing their renovation stories and home hacks um, and how they're entertaining kids. So it creates that shopping experience with friends. Mm. And then the third area would be, um, and we've seen a big increase in this in, in the last 18 months, is that people tell us they want to interact with brands by their actions by doing it with influencers and creators. Uh, so um, big increase in the amount of sort of branded content partnerships that we're seeing. And I'd say one of my favourite parts of this trend is that the 
the the day of the sort of perfect sort of size eight wag style yes. influencer, um, you know, it's no longer limited to that. Yes. And I think it's been so great to see um, an explosion of sort of diverse influencers working with brands small um, and large and, you know, all all shapes and sizes and genders and ages and um, you're coming, coming forward and working with brands and it's working. People are responding. They, they, it, they like the realism. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, in fact, when I think about the people that I follow on Instagram, particularly, it's, it's, it is very much a diverse group of people that are actually out there as influencers. And I guess it gives you a level of authenticity that you just don't get anywhere else, do you? So it's, um, yeah. it becomes really important. Yeah. And I love their, their passion. I love mm. their, they're genuinely, when I speak to a few of the influencers, they're genuinely passionate about, you know, there's one Natalie Angel who's a great example, and she works with lots of small businesses like Suzanne Gray and Blue Illusion. Um, and she is a normal-sized woman. She is passionate about passionate about all women feeling, you know, fantastic. Yes. She just tries on the clothes, speaks really honestly about how they feel, um, gives people some really good styling tips that are realistic. You know, and it's it works really, really well. People respond. Amazing. And would you would your advice be to um, a, a retailer that predominantly sells product in a, in a shop that's trying to get their online offering improved? How important is content? Do you think on on a on a on a website in your social media? I how, think how big a part does that play? Yeah, I think when when I speak to small businesses in particular, um, having the product there is is table stakes, and a lot of them have set up our new shops capability, but. They do one of two things or both, and the first is they um, entertain with their content and they right. give that unique perspective on their business. Um, I'm trying to think some good is examples. It mainly, is it mainly through videos, Kate, or is, it how, how, is that, is that yeah. where most of the content is developed? Yeah, absolutely, whether that's going live and answering questions live with right. customers and with their community or just doing short-form video um, in stories and reels. Um, but it might be something like I love ASK Official in Melbourne, um, a, a sort of premium leather goods brand with the Atelier in Richmond, and they um, show the workshop and, and just show what's happened. And then they grab uh, um, stock from archives and then they upcycle it and they show how rather than let it go to waste, they unpick it and, and you know, make it into a new design. Love that. And they're just they're short videos. Um and then you've got other examples where people will go live and mm. and talk to customers and it can go for, you know, quite a long time, but it, video is very popular. And then the other way, other than having the products there, is probably Messenger. I hear a lot of examples of that one-to-one capability. Um, uh, Rio Sound and Vision is another small right. business uh, that they specialise in very premium home entertainment and cinema wear. And they, they know they have to differentiate themselves from you know, JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman. And they do that by being able to offer this very personalised approach where when someone interacts with their content, they take the opportunity to start a one-to-one conversation about what their needs are. And that proves very effective for them. Amazing examples there, amazing examples. How important is it to maintain that personalised experience when it comes to online shopping and what are some of the innovations you're adopting to strengthen that connection? 
Yeah, I I would I would start answering that by sort of thinking about what makes a good personalized experience, um, because because uh, yeah, that can be it can be a front can, a confronting sort of topic. But I think what you aim for is an experience where product feels relevant but not overly personal. So one of the um, comparisons I make is I haven't been on one for a while, but I used to go to the odd fun run. Um, <laughs> so you probably should get back to that. Um, yeah, we both should actually, but thanks <laughs> oh for the reminder. <laughs> um, and you know, at the end of some fun runs, you get given a goodie bag. Yes. Um, and you've been targeted on the basis that you took part in the fun run. Yes. But it's a nice, you know, you get me moment. You open it up, there's, you know, a protein bar, maybe some sunscreen, maybe some blister pads. Um, so you've been targeted, but in a way that's not, overly personal. Yes. And so the the goal is really to replicate that sort of consumer experience, but, you know, uh, literally thousands of times a day if you want to. Mm. So I think that's what good personalised experiences are. In terms of how important they are, um, I would say now it's table stakes for Gen Z and millennials. Right. Um, they expect it. Mm. They, they, their expectations are high here. They understand that they should get recommendations based on things they've bought in the past or trends or areas that they're interested in. And I'll remind you, Paul, it's going to make us both feel old, but millennia- <laughs> millennials have had their milestone 40th. I mean, they're entering middle age <laughs> oh, now. There you go. That, that is a worry. Yeah, <laughs> a worry. yeah. So it's, you know, it's a big, it's a big part of the market out there that now Good has point. this. This expectation. <laughs> and I, I feel like they over here is that, that that sort of old method of blasting, yes. you know, hundreds or thousands of products um, or 10 products, you know, to as many people as possible. It's it kind of feels like a blunt tool to that audience. Yes. And it feels a little sort of uh, uh, you know irrelevant. The older audiences. We, we don't see the expectation as being as high. So I think they're, you know, the personalised experiences are just an opportunity to you know, set yourself apart and create some competitive advantage if it can be done right. Mm, good, good point. Yeah. Uh, well, we're seeing also things like augmented reality having a greater role in a retailer's digital presence. What other trends are you seeing or developing when it comes to the online shopping experience? I love yeah, it's a great question that you ask seeing and developing because we literally develop what we see right, a lot of yeah. the time. Um, like shopping tags, for example, you know, small businesses were posting just pictures and videos, but people were asking underneath <clears throat> about the product and that creates thrash and work for a small business owner that they don't have time for. So we created shopping tags so that it became a much more seamless experience. And there, there are a few examples of how mm. when we see an organic behaviour and that we, we we want to build off the back of that. So some of the trends though that we're seeing, we, are, we launched shops for small businesses in 2020 just to enable businesses to very quickly put their product in a place where it could be discovered um, when we when the pandemic hit, um, and that's been successful. There's there's about a million businesses um, that have that have joined shops Amazing. globally, or over a million. But what we're doing now is looking at how can we use this environment to create um, some more experiences around things like visual search. Right. So you could see any 
photo um, or um, piece of content in Instagram and it doesn't need to be tagged or belong to a certain shop, you'll be able to tap it and then Instagram shops will go and find product that's similar to it that you could then buy. So that visual search technology is in the pipeline now. And then the ability to do things like um, have drops, you know, bought to the top of your shop so that people always know where to go to see the latest that you've just had delivered in your small business, which we see is popular content Mm -hmm. for those businesses. Um, And then the other area uh, is live shopping. Uh, And I've I've mentioned earlier how um, some businesses go live and, um, and interact with their customers in that way, but it is a clunky experience when people want to start to buy. So we're coming up with much easier ways to tag product and shop a live video as well. So you see all of all of the trends kind of fit into that convergence of entertainment yeah. and Amazing. and and commerce. That's that's definitely the direction it's all heading in, as well as as you mentioned. Augmented reality. So, so Kay, maybe you might want to just explain a little bit about shops on Facebook. So, it, it, mm. it's is it like a marketplace? Is that the way you would describe it? It's it's not so much a marketplace where you've got person to person shopping. So, we've got Facebook Marketplace, and that's where we have people who can sell secondhand goods. This is really more of an environment where businesses can put their product live and have it discovered. Um, by customers when they come to that shop or come across content from that shop in their feed. Um, So it it means that you can, and and when a customer goes to that shop, what they see is going to be the things that are most relevant to them as well. So it takes advantage of that sort of personalisation factor. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. We'll all have to check out shops then on Facebook for sure because that sounds like a really good um, uh, way to drive small business, of course. So Yes. um, uh, amazing. The, the landscape has changed quite significantly for small businesses over the over the years, and we've been talking about digital trends and innovation. Mm. What are some of the things Facebook is doing to support small business in particular mm. and to heighten their online presence and drive sales through social media? Now, we've talked a little bit about this, but be interested in your view there. Um, I think the first thing I'd start by saying is that we um, we any sort of new capability that we build, we build it for all business. So the self-serve platform and the and a lot of the capabilities I've spoken about, when they get released, they're released for a business whether or not they spend $5 a month or $5 million a month. Right. Um, and that's a philosophy behind a lot of our product. So business pages, profiles, shops, shopping tags, live video, messenger. Um, and if a business wants to advertise, everybody gets it. Access to that predictive sort of targeting and personalization capability. So that's the first thing is we want to support small businesses by always building these capabilities so that they can access them. Uh, and you don't have to have the big deep pockets mm. that big businesses had. But of course, building them is one thing, educating and assisting the businesses is another. <laughs> um, and there's, look, we could always do more here. And We've had extraordinary growth recently, so it it can be challenging to keep up. But we do have extensive online resources. Um, Google, face. I'll do a plug for Google, Facebook for Business. Um, And there's there's lots of sort of how-to webinars there. And one thing I miss badly is that pre the pandemic, and um, hopefully we'll get to do this again soon, we used to run uh, Community Boost 
um, weeks out in regional Australia where we would right. set up a pop-up at the local town hall, have a group of Facebookers there and small businesses would come down and, and talk to us about how they use the platform and have real real life face-to-face contact and, and tips. Um, and the team just loved doing that and, and getting out and, you know, being at the coalface with those small businesses. We've had to pivot that. And now it's Boost with Facebook. It's a group on Facebook right. where small business, any small business owner can join and get access to webinars and updates on products um, as well. And then the last thing is we run sort of ongoing programs. One that we have now is um, we've just launched um, Instagram Academy where any female business uh, owner under 25 can apply to get some mentorship um, and some training on how to use the platforms and some advice around how to grow her business using Instagram. Fabulous. So, yeah, some some good sort of programs that we try to use. But there's there's a lot of small businesses using the platforms. So we, you know we we do our best. Wonderful. I ask you to get your crystal ball out now for me, Kate. I guess where yeah. do you see the digital innovation space going in the years ahead? And and I guess for a small business owner, how do they stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, it's it's a really good point. And I'd, look, firstly, it, I'm glad that you acknowledge there's a crystal ball involved. <laughs> there is, there is. <laughs> um, Maybe more than one. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I can, I'll share my opinion on where I think it's going to go, and I'd like to think it's reasonably well informed. But you know, I also get excited when things evolve really quickly. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about how how it relates to small business. Um, I think in the short and medium term, just we're going to continue to see more innovation for those consumer trends from, you know, many platforms, not just us. Um, I think there's an acknowledgement from the tech industry that we can really help revolutionise the end-to-end shopping experience and really have it complement in-store and give access to businesses of all sizes to sort of thrive. So there's there's going to continue to be a lot of investment in shopping, um, and a lot of uh, a lot of sort of uh, development in the area of how we enable the traversing of channels right. to become, you know, and stay easy. And I think post pandemic. Uh, we're obviously going to see a return to the shops, or I hope we do, um, and I think we will. But we're still, I think you hear a lot of talk about discretionary spend, but discretionary time is also another really valuable um, thing to think about in, you know, how Australians live their life. So I think we're, we're still going to see Australians traverse shopping channels and a lot of uh, development go into to um, accommodate that trend. And we'll also see um, a lot of the uh, blurring of entertainment and commerce be built for with right. some of those things that I've talked about. Yes. And and personalization will definitely, I think, continue to be will continue to to work in that area and evolve it so that um, there's less use of sort of blunt tools when it yep. comes to putting the right product in front of the right person. Um, so I think we'll we'll see a lot of those um, innovations can continue to build. Longer term again, and I'm going to get a little bit 
sci-fi here. Mm. Um, I, I think all of what we've talked about, all of these great experiences, we're going to see them start to be built out for what will become the next era of computing platforms. Mm. Um, and, like, if you think about it today, we shop online basically through two devices, most of us, and that's our personal computer or our mobile phone. Yes. Um, and just tomorrow, whenever tomorrow is, there's going to be more options, um, you know, whether that's AR glasses, yeah. virtual reality or Oculus in our case. Um, we're, going to con- we're going to sort of start to see more three-dimensional, I think, shopping experiences be built longer term. Um, but we will continue to build those and have them be accessible via self-serve mm. and accessible for all businesses is, you know, the the at the core of how we build, and I think that's how those trends will continue to play out. It's it's very Jetsonian, isn't it? And I think, yeah, um, you know, and I think um, it, it's mind blowing. So, you know, when we we think about, and there's many trends that are occurring now that I think I would never have seen in my lifetime, and we're seeing. So it's sort of it's good to see those things are probably not that far away. So not as you know. not as not as far as we think in terms of the small businesses keeping up, though. I tell you, a lot do. Like this is this is what excites me the most probably day to day in my job. A lot don't and and we can help more and do more things for them to access it. But sometimes I see the small businesses, they are the ones who are who are keeping up to date with this the most and they're really engaging with the online resources and they have a sense of fun and a sense of test and learn and a sense of um they don't have to go through all of the approval processes that we're we're, we're well aware of with (laughs) our corporate backgrounds or that part of our background. So, um, yeah, I think... And they don't, have the leg- they, don't have, they don't have the legacy issues, do they, with people, That's systems right. or processes? So, 100%. Um, now, you, you touched a little bit, Kate, just before about personalisation. Do you think there's a growing trend of people being prepared to offer up some of their privacy in exchange for personalisation? Because it does do a lot of editing for you, doesn't it? When I think about personalisation, it either offends or it actually you're, it's welcomed. I mean, I welcome it because I think I don't want to be served an ad that I'm – that's no use to me, but I, I'm actually quite often surprised and delighted when something's served to me that I want yeah. um, I haven't, or I haven't thought about, but somehow it's been um, presented. So I, I sort of quite like that as a, an ongoing yeah. piece. What's your views generally around personalisation and, and privacy? I think I think what, what I believe is that having a good ad experience and having your privacy respected don't have to be mutually exclusive. Fair enough. Uh, and what customers tell us they want is transparency. They want to know why they were targeted with something in particular. If they right. if they want to find that out, they want to be able to find that out. So we've built tools to enable that. And they also tell us that they understand the value exchange. Um, as long as it feels like it's uh, respectful of someone's privacy. Nobody nobody's going to gain from serving a creepy experience Mm. um you know you want it to feel relevant you want it to spark joy and i'm with you i would much rather be targeted with the apparel and accessories and home sort of uh, products that i love than be targeted with what an industry might think Mm. someone of a certain age a woman of a certain age might want to see so i uh, you know I, i think 
that's the it's getting the balance right between yeah. those two things i think then creates the best win win and no, nowhere more so than small business yes of course because they don't have the big budgets to hit everybody so you know if you're if you're making pet products and you know you only have so much to spend on your marketing hmm. it's just so much more effective if the engine you invested in can find you people who love pets, have pets, talk about dogs and cats, you know, whatever, yes, whatever, yes. watch those sorts of videos. Um, but but that as that owner, as that pet business owner, you're never going to have anyone's name and address shared with you. You're just going to ask the algorithm to find people who are interested in that or are more likely to love your products. Yeah. And it will tell you how many people it reached. It won't tell you who it was, and then you'll actually just see whether or not people come and buy, uh, and that's when you get to know them. So we've just got to continue to get those the balance right with yeah, that sort good, of technology. Really good point. How will the role of social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp continue to evolve in the online shopping space, do you think? I think we've touched on a lot of it. I think um, I think they'll continue to evolve as an end-to-end discovery you know, commerce capability. I think um, we'll continue to see um, more seamless experiences. We still haven't got all of them right. It's still clunky to shop in, as I've said, live videos. Um, we don't have checkout on platform as an option in, in Australia yet. So there's a lot of the, um, you know, end-to-end shopping experience that we can definitely continue to evolve and make more seamless. Um, but other than that, I think we'll we'll just see um, the ability to to really wrap your head around things like stories and reels and understand what your brand stands for and share that with potential customers continue to evolve as well, which I think is really, really exciting. Um, and then that sort of uh, I'm very excited about if we do start to really scale augmented reality um, capabilities and we do start to really scale things like visual search, I'm excited that small businesses will have access to that. Yeah. Now, we're running out of time. This is my last question for you, Kat, unfortunately. I can talk to you all day. What's the best advice you could give small businesses who are navigating the ever-changing world of e-commerce? So in summary, what's your best advice for, for small business? For many, keep doing what you're doing. Right. Um, for, the, for the ones that we see. Um, really lean into the online resources. Um, I think just stay agile and test and learn. I had this great business in Sydney. I thought I thought of you, Paul, because they're mm. based in the CBD and I remember what you know, you, how you've yes. been sharing that it's not, you know, the best location um, right over, or hasn't been over the pandemic. <laughs> no, we'll, unfortunately. We'll, we'll, um, yeah. I'm good. There's a there's a small business called Sticky Lollies in the Rocks in Sydney. And well, they sounds make, like my sort of shop. <laughs> you've, got, you've got the sweet tooth. It's perfect. Yes. Um, and that they make boiled sort of style lollies on, on premise. Wow. And, and obviously, you know, the foot traffic from international mm. tra- tourists, let alone anything else, has, you know, been through stages of not being there. Um, we're all very, very positive about the return. They decided that they would start doing live videos of the staff, and you should check it out. They've got 170,000, oh, we'll 170, I think, followers now. Wow. T- 
visitors, they took uh, videos of their staff making the, it's quite mesmerising. You never, you never know that you could watch boiled lollies get made for so long. And they banter and they have a lot of fun while they're doing it. And um, they saw a 300% increase in sales. Amazing. Uh, and 90% of it overseas. So just wow. totally different market. Um, so it's that agility and that sense of fun and connection is really something um, I think it's fantastic for small business to tap into, as well as that one-to-one capability using tools like Messenger. Um, and, yeah, it's I think... Our job is to just keep working on ways to make fun, engaging, sort of joyful experiences, you know, more shoppable, more easily, uh, and give small businesses the access to it. Well, be sure to check out Sticky Lollies and um, Kate Box. Thank you so much for your insights and for joining us in the Amex Lounge for some retail therapy. Congratulations on all the work you're doing at Facebook and the support for retail and small business. All the best for the future. Thank you so much, Paul. It was a pleasure. After an immensely difficult couple of years, in 2022, retailers faced complex challenges, including staff shortages and supply chain issues. Retailers do continue to show tenacity and grit as they adapt to evolving market conditions. While some categories of retail are recovering more quickly than others, across the board, the sector must shift from survival to renewal. As we look to reinvigorate small business within our communities, the ARA, in collaboration with our partner American Express, is supporting retailers as the sector bounces back. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. For more information about the work we do at the Australian Retailers Association, head to our website, retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All the links can be found in the show notes.